expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. And welcome uh, to Sports Plus with Baker, Big D, and Joe. Special show today. We have two guests. I'm going to introduce my guest first. Um, Aida O'Brien is a young woman from Belchertown, Mass., uh, graduated from Middlebury. Um, welcome, Aida. Hello. How's it going, everybody? And um, Aida's here, even though she's not um, a sports expert, <laughs> she's more <laughs> here to help uh, us understand a little bit of, of about transgender issues. Well, well Daryl, let's be um, honest, we're not sport ex experts either. <laughs> we act like it. <laughs> and uh, Joe, uh, why don't you start out there on the West Coast and introduce your guest? Yeah, well, we're certainly less of an expert on transgender issues, and that's why we've got our two guests hopefully can educate us a little bit. Um, our guest, Yumi Park, played high school basketball and golf. And that's another high school golfer. Uh, holds a sport management degree from UT. They covered Texas sports for the Longhorn Network worked as a video and equipment manager for the women's basketball team there, has been a basketball coach for many years, and one of the most delightful human beings I've ever met in my life. Yumi Park, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Such a really nice intro, even though I wrote most of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Matt. Matt also is out here in, in Western Mass where there's snow. A, a lot of it, yeah. I, I don't. I didn't bring a guest on today, but I, I'm grateful and, and thankful, Yumi and Aida, for for joining us today. And hopefully, well, and, and really looking forward to learning today. And, and hopefully, we we all get something out of it. All the listeners out there. Right. So um, I'll sort of start by um, sort of bringing up what. The, so transgender issues in sports, I think, mainly revolve around high school type issues. I'm not sure about college. I just don't know. But, uh, maybe, you know, we can learn as we go along. But I, I know that in a high school situation, what gets some people upset is if um, a person grew up as a male, had testosterone, uh, developed muscles, um, more than a female, and then transition to female, uh, there's this feeling among some people that that's an unfair advantage and they should not get, should not be allowed to compete in uh, female high school events. Um, that's as much as I understand about any issue. Well, the, the only thing I just quickly want to add to that, there are, according to latest surveys, estimates about 150 to 200 transgender athletes in the NCAA. There are zero, there have been zero out transgender Olympians ever in the course of, in the history of the Olympics. It doesn't mean there, there weren't, but for a zillion reasons, you know, would not come out, but that's, so that's all I had to add to that. 
But but do you know, um, is there any of the, the, the uh, sort of controversy that I brought up about high school athletics, is that also hold in college? Well, in college, you know, it depends on what the sport is and what the, the added, what the rules adaptations have been. Um, I, I'll, and, you know, I think most colleges use some sort of right now it's self-identification I think is the guideline, but there's slowly, there are um, blood testosterone blood tests being used as the benchmark, which we can get into later on as to how valid these things are and, and whether, you know, just with the wide range of naturally occurring testosterone levels, you know, something like, 25% 25% it was 25% of men cisgender men tested below the limit that's used for um for the olympics 10 nanometer 10 nanometers per liter um so 25% of men test below the threshold that they use now so could theoretically compete as women so I, the use of testosterone test sounds like a good here's a number we can measure this number and everybody and divide according to that doesn't really even seem to be a, a good guideline but i'll stop talking and then then yeah and, and that you did make me remember there's a famous south african runner who's having um uh issues uh with her testosterone Pastor Semenya, yeah and, we, and yeah, yeah there's there's lots to talk yeah. about with her case okay. she's you know she's exposed a lot of these these discussions. So, yeah. So Yumi, why don't you begin since you're the closest to an athlete among this unruly bunch? <laughs> well, I don't know. I haven't been a true athlete in maybe organized sports in a while, but I mean, so a lot of names have already been brought up like Caster who, you know, she's actually my age. She's only a few months older than I am. And um, Joe brought up a good point is like, you know, just the testing itself, like the nature of it, seems like a good idea, but Castor is biologically female. She has never come out as transgender. She has never said she was a male before anything. So, like, I do believe that, like, she exposed not only, like, bias, but also, like, this idea that if a woman has too much testosterone, she's not a woman, and it's, like not i feel like even those the testosterone tests aren't very valid because as human beings we're all very different and what we as we would consider normal like her body just normally produces a certain amount of testosterone that may or may not be higher than her competitors but that's natural for her you know right so, i don't think she's she hasn't um no she's I not thought, trans if i thought so, she was intersex right, though yeah um, I haven't seen any of, I think she may be, um, because I think that's something that's been used as a, uh, as like for her appeals against the IOC, because there is so much interest in her body, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in that case, because they're trying to regulate hormones, which I understand, you know, because of like doping scandals and things like that but it just brings up definitely a lot of like issues and bias issues and you know her being a black woman also kind of feeds into that because i feel like for some reason it's always regulating women's games first also because it's all about equity in women's sports and like you know protecting the women and like making sure it's fair for them and it's like i feel like if i 
you know, I don't currently identify as non-binary, but I have been raised as a woman, as female from birth. So like growing up, it's always kind of, I, you know, those ideas of, you know, you can't really compete men versus women naturally because it's just not fair, which is understandable um, to a certain degree as far as biology and science goes. But it's like kind of weird and kind of insulting to my, like my personal history. It's like, like, I don't need you to like, always look out for the women like you know just let us compete and you know there's like base level rules maybe but like it gets a little like odd because I'm like I never asked you to protect the women's game like this like this is not what we're asking for when it comes to equity compared to the men's game um, you bring up an interesting point to the, um, so we, uh, under the previous president, who's uh, like Baltimore, <laughs> Lot Baltimore, we, it will be not called he, he by shall name anymore. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right, he showed up. I thought, that was, I thought um, that was Tom Brady, though, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we got to get into that, too. That's fun. But the, um, uh, the, you know, the party that he has um, sidetracked, off is a claims to be a party of small government and historically uh, you know there was a lot to admire but uh in recent decades the small government does not apply to women or women's bodies right um and you know and so that's um kind of i mean like small government strong defense all that stuff is okay, except how do you justify that a, a woman who's about to have an abortion has to watch uh, the infant, the, the embryo in her body before she has the uh, abortion? It's just a, um, you know, manipulating women's bodies. So anyway, that's just a, so the nice thing is. Under Voldemort, the previous president, um, the uh, w we ended up talking politics like fifty-five minutes a show. So, <laughs> you know, it's you know. the intersection of sports and politics has become you know very, very broad, and I think that's a good thing, but also obviously a bad thing for some athletes, especially. So I understand. It's kind of like in music genre is doesn't mean what it used to mean um i had just had aida on the kids show and, and oh, cool. of the songs that she picked out um were not what matt grew up and not what joe grew up and not certainly not what i grew up listening to <laughs> yeah. as a kid um and there was a lot of fun but um you know the genres now listen um uh, there's been a couple things mentioned um intersex and binary so again you are dealing with at least speaking for myself a person as ignorant as can be about certain terms so feel free to give us a little information about intersex and binary cool hey if you want to explain intersex i'm not as well versed in okay. that part of the community. yeah i'll give the best definition i can um, I'm not, yeah, but intersex. <laughs> yeah, we're we're also constantly learning, you know. We're we're always learning. Right. Well, it all it all it's, it changes so fast. It's all evolving so fast. It is, you know, it's a challenge to keep up with with the proper language a lot of yeah. times. But I'm, I'm, but that's all. All we can do is try to learn and try to work right. forward. I mean, it's changing quick for 
for us too. Like, honestly, sometimes I have a hard time keeping track, but um, I try my best, I guess. Um, but so intersex is, there are a variety of intersex conditions, um, which basically means that um, somebody's sexual anatomy is not um, the way that it is according to a strict binary way of male or female. And there's, there are a variety of ways that can express itself. Some people might have um, lower hormone levels. They might have a, um, a womb, but also have like a womb inside, but also a phallus. There's like a variety of um, conditions. And so part of the, the thing that's happening right now is that, um, and it's really just awful and brutal, is that like doctors and hospitals choose for the intersex people what gender they have to live as and they do corrective surgeries that that person did not ask for to correct their bodies that really were just fine and and came out how they are and like um a lot of the discussion now is trying to end those surgeries and have those kids be able to decide for themselves if that's something they want um and to be raised as whatever gender they decide um, they are. And so, yeah, I think we've come a long way with that, but there's a long way to go um, still with um, intersex people. Intersex, like Ida brought up, is like it physically shows in different ways, right? It manifests in different ways physically outwardly and physically inwardly. Um, and so when we say that these surgeries are horrific is because if a baby is born with both um, female genitalia and male genitalia, the, the doctor and the parent usually get to decide, quote unquote, which gender they would like that baby to perform as growing up or learn to be growing up. But as we've seen with the trans community, it's like even non-intersex people realize that the gender they may have been raised as does not fit the gender that they identify as, right? So to take away that choice from a baby just because they aren't, you know, old enough to make those decisions really kind of like cuts out 50% of their choice. You know, that's their body. And they should be able to make that decision when they're old enough about which gender that they prefer. And, you know, some intersex people could end up choosing to be non-binary. And when um, Mr. Clark <laughs> is, uh, asked about the binary definition is when we talk about binary, you know, there's sex binaries, which traditionally have been in science, male or female. And that has... Um, also turned into the binary of gender, which in society, in mainstream society, has been decided as you're either a boy, a man, or a girl, or a woman. And what, what the trans community and the non-gender, 
the gender nonconforming community is saying is gender is a spectrum. Gender is something that we as humans have created surrounding what a male and female body in science has been. But the thing about gender and the thing about science, the sex of science or science of sex is that even in science, there are more than just the traditional male and female, right? We have gender very, we have sex variations in our DNA and in any other like human DNA is such an interesting topic in science is a field of its own. And they have said that there are more than two binary representations of sex in science. And of course that should naturally mean that there should, there'll also be variations of what gender looks like outside of a binary. So when I personally say I identify as non-binary, I don't identify as completely uh, completely a woman and I don't present completely as a man. I am kind of in between. I have characteristics of both traditionally and I am proud to like be that. You know, I am fully proud of my upbringing as a woman because my experience is being raised as a woman in America as an Asian American woman is the kind of experiences that speaks to the person that I am today but I also present very masculinely in the way I dress which creates a whole different plethora of issues when I'm walking outside my door right if I present with masculine features or masculine outfits people you know probably would treat me better until I open my mouth and hear my voice and they're like oh wait sorry like they think they misgendered me and you know that's fine to a certain extent but that just shows what society really thinks is like either you're a guy or you're a girl like they can't always like understand that there can be an in-between right just like there are various identities within the lgbtq community like you could either be gay or a lesbian or you could be bi or pansexual like that is also a spectrum you know there's also um, between bi and pansexual and gay, there are definitely other variations of sexual identity. Or um, what I've learned is a loved identity. Now is a new term that's slowly cropping up in the diversity, yeah. equity, and inclusion community. Right? Is that it? Really isn't. It's not a sexual identity. It's just you know who they love tends to be different from the heteronormative idea of what we were raised with. When I was um the age of Yumi and Aida. I was I, really lucky I got into um, University of Florida. I was on an MD, PhD program, and I uh, taught gross anatomy for like four years to uh, medical students and uh, dental students. And that's what many, many decades later got me into the teaching, again, after a career in uh, restaurants. Um, and what I learned there was that in uh, embryos development, there's a long period of time in which it's not obvious which sex the infant's going to be. You know, we look at the we look at the uh, baby and and then make our judgments and and the calls. But the um, in the embryo, uh, it's uh, it's it looks the same for a long time. Yeah. Right. I, I took human sexuality my senior year of college at UT, which is, you know, a great course. Also, yeah, all the athletes like Texas, take it. Right? Yeah, that's University at UT. Of Texas? Yes, at University yeah. of Texas at Austin, you know, 
it's also known as like the favorite uh elective that the ncaa athletes are put in it's one of their favorite it's like a plug and play so every athlete has been in that elective at one point um <laughs> i had some really great classmates in my semester um but you know we learned in that course and i'm sure mr clark can uh let the audience uh, know as well and confirm but like a, hu- a, ba- a human embryo that is growing for the most part when they can't tell and decide which sex it's going to be it's because every person starts out with the um the body of like a, a girl a, a female embryo right the testes forms from the anatomy of a womb first and then it, it just drop instead of staying inside right so and like that there's also science that depends like depending on what your mom's going through the the mother is going through the hormones of the mother can control it's not control but like there have been some scientific research where depending on the mother's hormone levels, it can cause, it has had a slight effect on whether or not that child will be gay or straight in one study, right? So that can, it's like an interesting thing. Is it really nature or is it nurture? And if it is nature, it's like more evidence that like this isn't some weird thing that is an abomination. Like a lot of maybe the GOP candidates who has legislation against the LGBT community you know, it's not, and it's, it's unfortunate because it's like the GOP is becoming, feels like it's becoming less and less of a party that truly respects science and has become a party that kind of like abuses science to like twist words into fitting what their ideology might be, whether it's a little bit more evangelical Christian Christianity or just like bigotry. So I feel like that's what all this legislation that comes out is. It's like it, they're using scientific words to twist things to make their constituents believe them a little bit more or like uses the science to like back up bigotry that they may have already had in their minds. And then they use kids as the scapegoat. Like we got to protect the kids. Yeah. Like we, what are we supposed oh, to tell God. them? How am I supposed to explain this to them? You know, with Tennessee where they were like, trying to refuse to teach lgbtq history or anything like they weren't allowed to talk about it was the legislation it's like the kids don't really care like if you teach them things they'll like learn to be a little more compassionate you know that's like the like the worst thing to the gop apparently is <laughs> like we can't let them know about these things because they'll be too nice to them you know or like the kids aren't gonna i i don't know i feel like i haven't seen kids start the legislation right it's always the parents or people who don't even have kids trying to legislate who these kids can want to play with yeah well i mean you know i think people we're we're scared of what we don't understand we're scared of what we don't know and i think a lot of times people if i don't understand it and i don't know it if i almost pretend it's not there i can remain comfortable in myself and and that's i i you know, I, I think you mean a lot of the stuff you were saying is very well said, and it it makes sense to me. And, and that you know, if you don't understand something or don't know something, ask questions or or talk to people. And and rather than pretending right something isn't there, like you said, talk about it. Learn to be more compassionate about it, and 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 look to learn from it. So I, I agree with you there. What are we we talked about it at the beginning of the show about sort of that. Um, um, 
with transgender athletes competing in sports. Is it unfair? And I, I'll admit I'm kind of one of them and looking to, to talk to, to you about this. Is it unfair for people to think that there is some sort of advantage one way or another if you are um, a transgender woman competing in women's sports? Is, is that unfair for people to think that there's an advantage there? I, you know, I, this isn't like my personal experience either. I, I have friends who have a lot of my friends who have transitioned or have come out as trans. They were athletes in high school, right? So, um, you know, they were raised as women and, and girls at going through high school and playing organized sports. Um, but when they do come out, it is after they've been like in a very highly competitive part of sport. So it's not as big of an issue. But, you know, when that comes up about that advantage is like, you know, there's an advantage to boys who hit puberty earlier than the same guys yeah. in their grade when they're playing high school football, right? You know, like, yes, there can be an advantage hormonally if they were, you know, raised and went through puberty as boys and then start competing as women. There's, or as girls, they are you know, depending on where they are in their hormonal journey and like their growth into adulthood. I feel like there's science behind that, which is why the idea of testosterone tests is more and more prevalent, I think. Um, but there are two trans women, trans girls that in Connecticut that were competing and that were fighting anti-trans um, legislation in Connecticut, right. or there was a group petitioning against them being able to commit compete in Connecticut and she brought up a, a, a good point it's like it's not just their bodies that could be an advantage right um a cisgender which is a person who identifies with the same gender the correlating gender as what they were assigned at a birth sex wise um when cisgender athletes have parents that can afford um private training oh yeah Right, they get a, they get a are, big advantage. Exactly, there's more. Right. there's opportunity to increase your talent through training, um, right. or depending on where they grew up and when they got into the sport, they might just have that you know longer years of experience. She brought right. up that somebody could have the the body for it and have an advantage there, but somebody with better form could also have an advantage, right? Yeah, right. Somebody perfected um, their form in a golf swing. <laughs> It might be a lot easier. It might be a lot easier for them to get straight down the fairway and a couple extra yards forward than somebody that can't hit hits a slice every second. Like, thank you, the um, Aida. Uh, why don't you um, tune in and uh, give us a little? Because um, you actually have transitioned from um, uh, male to female. Yeah. And where did you? Did you suffer? Have people given you a hard time? Um, I mean, I've gotten plenty of insensitive comments. Um, but I, I feel like in my circle of friends and family, people have generally handled it well. Um, but it is really hard to, to um, navigate these relationships um, now as a woman, like, it's very different. It's like a complete, like, upheaval 
of my life in a lot of ways. And um, Mr. Clark, what I was telling you before, what I was telling you a couple of days ago about how the biggest, um, you know, challenge for me has not been getting on hormones and thinking about whatever other changes I might want to make to my body in the future. It's the social aspect, which is just, it's constant work. And what I learned is that coming out is not something that is just over and done with the first time. Like I come out all the time. Um, like I tried, I, I purposefully uh, had a concert at Middlebury where I, nobody knew I was trans except like two or three of my close friends. And I played a concert for like 60 people and came out to them through it. Oh wow! And part of why I did that was kind of as a gift to myself of, okay, I just like got to get the word out. And like, at that point I thought I was, I thought I was done. Like I'll, I won't have to explain this anymore. I'll just post my thing on Facebook and, and it's over with, but no, like I have to explain myself all the time. It's correcting people when they read me as male, but I have to tell them my pronouns and how I identify. And it's always like, what, what are your pronouns? I use she, her pronouns. She and her. And uh, you, me, what do you use? Uh, I use they, them. So I go by the they, them. Okay. Which is the singular yeah. they, them. I know there's a lot of controversy yeah. with yeah. that usage. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't understand why there should be, co you know, I, I, the, the resistance to things like that, that uh, clearly can help people who have been, you know, marginalized their entire lives feel more comfortable. That, that just, it, that's just, it's something that's so easy to do once you try and, you know, decide you're going to train your brain in that direction. That just reveals a, it's one of those things that reveals when people are intentionally you know, misgendering people, it reveals that's all I need to know about a person. If I hear them refer to, if I hear somebody refer to, to Caitlyn, if I hear someone refer to Caitlyn Jenner as he or as Bruce, I immediately know what that person is all about. Oh, yeah. Right. And Aida brings up a good point, you know, about the idea that you have to explain yourself and like come out on the daily. And sometimes it gets very, you know, exhausting and we're not the end all be all of the representation of our community and i don't know if you want you have more to say aida but like i would love to hear more about your experience yeah um about like explaining myself to people oh i was gonna say like um like a cis woman uh generally like if she wants to be read as a woman, then people will usually like do that automatically. But for me, like a lot of the time, if I want to be treated like the way I want to be treated, I have to go through this whole thing of explaining things to people. And like sometimes people are relatively tuned into trans issues and they can adjust on the spot, got it, she, her. Um, uh, I know what's going on, but 
other people like it's just hard because I think even people who are pretty socially conscious generally still have a long ways to go on trans issues. And so even people who are open-minded like really struggle with it sometimes. Yeah, Joe, Joe and I met um, through WMUA. And you remember toward the end, before all the community people got kicked off, um, that these issues of, of your pronouns, it was, <laughs> we, you know, there was all ages, there was college students, but there was people in their 80s. And there was a concerted effort, Joe, do you remember, to explain um, pronouns, who your pronouns are, you know, and there was, I have to admit, I was pretty dense too, but a lot of people were extremely dense in trying to pick it up. Yeah, there was some some active resistance in ways that, like I said, just kind of reveals the ugliness about a person if that's, you know, Mm -hmm. if that's how they're going to respond to someone trying to express who they are I, yeah anyway i feel like aida brought up a good point as far as like you know if they read a person as cisgender and they're told they see them as male woman and or man and they just use those correct pronouns the resistance people put up or not even resistance the curiosity sometimes can also be you know, kind of exhausting as well, because I'm sure what Aida was maybe alluding to was when she does correct somebody and says, my pronouns are she, her, then they're like, oh, that's so cool. That's so (laughs) awesome. And then they go into like this questionnaire type situation and like, you could like run into somebody in the grocery store and you're just trying to pick up some dinner and they're like, oh my gosh, I heard, you know, that your pronouns are like she, her, like that's so cool. And like, I'm doing this impression of like, all the like kind of experiences I've received as well. It's like, oh my gosh, you're they them. I'm like, I so cool. Like I totally get it. And you're like, thank you. We don't have to make a show about it. I know you want to make yourself feel better that you're in the know. Um, but then you know it sucks when then you're treated like an encyclopedia. Like I am not with you. Yeah. We are not the like I said before, we are not the end all be all representation for our communities. And it, it's not to sound flippant and it's not to sound rude, this phrase, but it's still a very valid thing. It's like Google does exist, right? So outside of context where we are invited to, you know, help and explain things in a conversation wise, you know, most people do not want to actually answer those questions, whether or not they feel, you know, innocuous. <laughs> You sound like my kids, you know, when I ask them, uh, you know, yeah. how do you do this? Uh, Dad, uh, Google it, you know, it's like, at first, I, at first I didn't get it at all. And, uh, you know, I'm slowly getting it. Right. You know, and then, like, it does, and I do understand that, like, the personal connection really helps. Like, if you've never met a trans person, it studies do show that if somebody has a trans or, um, gender non-conforming person which the whole phrase is tgnc is that if they have a person that's within that community and this also includes like the lgbtq community as a whole they are more likely to begin the steps of being more accepting you know and doing their own research but we do have to like remind people that it is not an individual's responsibility to be 
that encyclopedia. That's like if you were to go up to a black person over the summer of this past year, and be like, <laughs> can you tell me about black history? And it's just like, yo, that is like centuries worth of like work that needs to like be understood and researched. That is not a one person job. And it's like, yeah. let's take a breath, use the generous resources the internet has you know don't always go to like you know i'm not a proponent for like using biased media and that includes liberally progressive media because the liberals and progressive also aren't always the right resources they also might have incorrect you know vocabulary Right. Now, Matt, let me ask you a question, because Matt, Matt grew up in Connecticut. Ha- have you followed those those Connecticut issues that Joe was talking about earlier, uh, about about some high school athletics? No. Not, not too much. Not too much. But I, I mean, I did want to get back to it to, to discuss it here, Not, but I haven't been following it. Um, other than I wasn't that that was the article I sent right. you guys though. But we assumed you read it. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to us about it. <laughs> so and and this is sort of where I I fall is that and 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 again we we talked about this before we started the show. Call me out if I say something inappropriate mm-hmm. or, or wrong here. I don't you know, but I've always felt as there is a difference between, um, like you, uh, you, you mentioned it, the, 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 the thinking of either male or female, right? Um, and as a, uh, I, I played sports in high school, I coached both uh, girls track in high school and boys track in high school. Um, you know, there, there are different qualifying standards for boys and girls and and you know in in golf uh a, a girl's tee versus the the men's tee and so for me where it comes to trans athletes part competing in sports i can totally respect and and Aida, wonderful story. I think that was tremendously brave. You know, I I think that's a great story um, that you shared with giving your concert at at the school. That was, you know, that's awesome. And, And, but does the integrity of the sport get altered at all if someone who would be qualifying for a uh, a, a 11 second 100 meter dash now only has a 13 second qualifying standard does that make sense right and so that's where i i'm sort of i want to make not make sure my thing is is i don't want the integrity of the sport or event or game be altered and where is that balance? I mean, Joe, you sent that um, that men's health article this morning at a night. I read it, Daryl. I read it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe skimmed through it. Fine. <laughs> but one, one thing that did we, point we out, ask, we can ask Joe to synopsize it. Well, <laughs> it, it, one thing that you know, other it, it was a it was a fair article. It was a good article. But one thing that pointed out was they were saying we need more data because right now we just have a bunch of opinions. And 
in order to have a debate, we need data. And unfortunately, I feel like too many people have the opinion and now they're the experts on it. I am not like, and, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have guests on who actually know what they're talking about when it comes to this stuff, because opinions are not, you're an expert. Opinions are nothing more than that. And, and does that, I'll, I'll, I'll stop for a second if any of you, anybody else wants to chime in, but that was my kind of thing is, you know, there is a difference between the male and female body. And when it comes to sports and the com competition of sport, there are different qualifying stand, you know, a different weighted shot put for a reason. And, and at what point does that, does it, would a transgender athlete competing get in the way of the, the integrity of that competition. Well, and I think, right. The, the issue is how are we fair? How can we have the most fair competitive playing field? But we have to ask too, who, who needs more assistance in who needs more support in making things fair? Is it the cisgender women? Is it certainly not cisgender men in this case, or is it the marginalized smaller group that you know we've look at what title nine did for women's athletics i think the the future is something similar perhaps happening for transgender athletes it's very complex because like yeah and in, in certain cases a um trans feminine person would have an advantage um if their body like went through male puberty or part of a male puberty but like there's also like more and more kids are transitioning earlier and might be on testosterone blockers before that surge of puberty testosterone even enters their bodies and so like plenty of trans girls would probably have similar um, estrogen levels to cisgender girls and also like body type because they just haven't had that testosterone, you know, happen for them. It got blocked when they were 11, 12, 13, maybe. So at, at what point, like when would um, those hormone blockers like at what point would would a doctor or uh, at what point would someone start taking those um as far as i know currently and this might be state to state i think it's like you can start taking estrogen or testosterone at 16 that might be earlier now um, in, in special cases, I'm honestly not sure, but I know that um, puberty blockers, you can take much earlier than that. Like basically whenever they think your puberty is going to start. Would you have, would you have to have your, would you have to have your parents approval? Oh yeah, definitely. To get the medication? And therapist approval. Yeah. So that, yeah. And and that brings up a really good point. It's a very slippery slope too at a certain point because, you know, 
because those options exist, some people could then turn around and make it where they try to regulate a trans child and oh, regulate geez. a child's yeah. transition in order to fit these, right? You know, it, in order to fit these ideas, right? So like the cisgender community can then to be like, well, then they need to have been like on like these ba- these hormone blockers at, by this age. They need to be like only at these levels of estrogen and testosterone and it's like no government and like this is weird too because in this gop possibly or any party you know that maybe wants small government or less government regulation it's like why are you trying to regulate a single child's body in order to block or allow them. For this, for the same reason, for the same reason that it's very important to regulate uh, a woman's body. Exactly. Nobody, nobody is regulating Joe's, Matt's, or my body. You know, and like nobody, we brought up, a nobody good... cares. Yeah. You know? But um, but for women, it's a whole different story. Exactly. And then for like Joe brought up too, it's like you know, it, this is more of a women's issue almost because it's like like I brought up right. earlier. It's like it's got to be, we've got to protect the women's game because men aren't worried, right? If a, if a person says, I'm a trans man and, you know, depending on where they are in their transition, which they also don't have to share with anybody, it's their business, where they are within their journeys as far as transitioning physically, it's like men aren't worried. They're like, oh, you were a girl before. Like, this is on quotes. Like, I don't have to worry about you. You're just going to be weaker than me. It's fine. I'm not going to have to worry about it. And it's kind of like, that's also problematic, but you know, it's, that has to do with like patriarchy and like yeah. the male ego, jo- which is yeah, how we're Joe, all raised. Uh, Joe, I really appreciate what you brought up about how things change. So for me, uh, being older, older than dirt, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, uh, when I was in high school, in the 60s, um, women's sports were non-existent. There was maybe soccer, there was cheerleading. Women's basketball was unbelievable. Played with skirts, and most of the players had to stop at half court. And the reason given was that their bodies just can't take the pounding. You know, um, and so there's been remarkable changes, Joe. It's it's really, uh, and so maybe, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think so. So the the question that I think spurred all this is how how do we make things equitable athletically? And I think what we're seeing in society is is less of this is what a man is, this is what a woman is, and now there's an understanding that it covers the range all in between. And I, so I think mm-hmm. it's what's going to happen is the construction of our sports leagues and the way we administer sports leagues is going to lag, you know, a couple of generations behind what's happening in conversations like this. So I think the, yeah. the question is how not only what is the fairest way to do it, but, but how do we accelerate things so we don't leave behind generations of trans and nonconforming kids like we did our generation of, of gay and lesbian kids who didn't the, those, the, the, I, the one thing that people ask me as an old person or achieving old person status is, is, what's, is what's changed the most in my lifetime. And that's the one 
you know, the, just the, the, I can't possibly describe to a 20 year old how different things were for LGBTQ kids when I was 15 or 12. And just, so th- th- there's hope. For- you just had to be, you had to be hidden. Right. Right. You had to be yeah. Hidden. And I think you, you know, we also appreciate like the changes that have happened in our lifetime. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. about to be oh, yeah. 30 in two months or so. And I even, you know, from 91 to now, like the changes have been drastic. Mm, yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I would have never imagined that it'd be safe for me to be out in any capacity, either as queer or as, you know, non-binary. Like I would have been like, you know, as a kid and even high school, I was like, I am never going to be able to be out. Like, this is not a thing I had right. in my mind. No, that's, that's, been, the, that's been the hugest change. Now, uh, exactly. we all, and, you know, playing sports. Right. So we have seven minutes left now, uh, you know, and this is uh, by the way, can I remind you a sports show? Um, and so I do feel that I want to mention Serena Williams. Yeah. Um, she lost to, um, Osaka. No. Yeah. Naomi yeah. Osaka. No, yeah. No. And who actually went on to win. To win right? Oh, great. And Thanks. Thanks was. for the spoiler. I hadn't watched it because it's on. It's oh, oh, God. Oh, <laughs> sorry. You know, it's dumb. I was up at three in the morning. I could have watched it this morning. What's it live? Really yeah. 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 So That's sorry. right. I figured, I figured okay. she would That's win. Right. And she's, but she's great in her own Serena, way, too. Yeah. Serena. And this may be. This may be Serena sort of said in her press conference that she's not going to tell anybody if she retires, but, and she kind of broke down in her press conference too. But I did want to say that the match she played against Halep before that was, she was spectacular. She just covered the, the, uh, you know, at, what is she 39, I think, or something, which compared to Brady, it's a whole, you know, tennis players, don't tend to be great after 35. They just don't. That's so much stress and, on the knees, right? And ankles. Yeah. 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 And, quick, and quick reflections. Uh, and so Serena, and, and it's really just running balls down. And Serena was has just gotten herself in tremendous shape. She's, I think, one of the most impressive athletes I've ever seen. And uh, I, I do... My gut feeling is that that's it, that she's um, not going to keep playing competitively, but who knows? But um, what she, against this Halep, who's very talented, um, she ran down everything and then hit with power. It was was remarkable. So let me add, I want to add a little bit to that, Daryl. I mean, last year, um, I'm I'm a phys ed teacher. And, and last year, last February, to tie in, Daryl, with our annual the women's basketball field trip to UMass, right. I, I, I highlighted a women's in sports um, month in February with my fourth graders. And Serena Williams was the first female athlete that I highlighted. And what a lot of the um, my students, and, and mostly a lot of the girls, what they were interested in is her off-the-court stuff, too. I, it's hard, you know, don't underestimate the I mean her her apparel company and and what she's done for women not only just tennis but outside of the sport is incredible and I it it can't be understated how much she has impact and 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 she will continue to impact young girls growing up you know sure maybe she won't get to that 
mask or um what what is it in tennis right. the um the grand slams right 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 yeah she's she's one behind um the the all time lead yeah. Margaret yeah. Court's record yeah yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but and, and that's why and, and that's why she may stop that. But she is she's really like LeBron, right? And I think she belongs yeah. in the conversation as not not just greatest tennis, but but greatest athlete in history with Muhammad yeah. Ali, with Pele, yeah. with LeBron James, Michael Jordan. She absolutely has has put herself in that at that level. Yeah, and it's I she, it's just like the evolution of her career too. When they when they first started playing, she wasn't even the better. She wasn't even her right. sister was beating her. Right. Yeah. yeah, and then it all of a sudden it. Serena passed her, and, it, right. and, and then also having a baby. Oh God, yeah. You know, she she gave up. Maybe gave up is is maybe the wrong term to use, but she, you know, almost two years of her prime was sacrificed, having a baby and 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 doing all that, and that's another thing you know that women in sports have to deal with, um, but. The time away, the time away from the sport yeah. to raise their children, you know. Right. And yeah. well, and the, and the, um, the strain on your body, yes. you know. Um, yeah. And she, did she win a tournament when she was like four months pregnant? Yeah. And I think uh, she came back pretty quickly too, to be honest. Yeah. For her um, stature. Now, uh, I think we have to, with our last three minutes here, we have to give Joe a chance to uh, rant about Brady. Um, the previous, <laughs> Before the previous you start your rant, though, weeks. can I just interject? I don't think we answered Matt's question about equity. Um, I think in order to get data, we need to let kids actually be who they are from the beginning. And we're not going to get data if we regulate it so much Good so point. that we never collect it, right? If you keep blocking kids from playing the sports on the teams when which they identify with gender wise we're never going to get that difference we're never going to see that it's probably going to average out because not all trans athletes are going to be right. with hyper levels of right. testosterone they might actually yeah. just be normal levels and they may have never been an athlete competitively until high school to right. develop said muscles that may have given them an advantage right. Right, just or, like Aida brought up that like they might have been in puberty where they had puberty blockers yeah. or had hormones late. Right. right but listen, you know, like yeah. you, you mean we okay, we just good need point. To but Yumi, we gotta give Joe his chance to rant rant about Brady. So what's the latest yeah. Brady's what's the latest Brady story, Joe? Well, there's just been hundred and sixty thousand people have signed this online petition because apparently he took some PPP money, almost a million dollars for his T V twelve company that again, like like every other corporate, you know, D bag was taking money out of the pockets of small businesses. But I don't we don't need to talk about that. But I want do I to tell people to check out the podcast version and definitely stick around for that today because I want to talk some more about some other things that we didn't cover over the hour. But but there's a lot of weird stuff going on in Texas right now, so I want you me to to talk about that a little bit. So stick around okay. for the podcast version if you're not already listening to it. Check it out; it's on all the podcast things, uh, the Sports Plus show. Rate us, review us, do all that stuff. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun, and I want to thank you, me, and I want to thank Aida for uh, being part of this and educating uh, three older gentlemen. Um, you know, you've done a good, really good job. Always enjoy talking about yeah. like 
all this yeah. and sports. Still love sports with all my heart. Yeah, you'll have to come back on for for a less serious discussion where we can <laughs> talk about football okay. and hockey. Whenever you need so, me, um, whenever you'll have. So that's me. it. Uh, this awesome. has been a really interesting show, and like Joe referred, uh, we are a podcast also, so uh, you can catch us. Um, in the on in the inner tubes, you know, plug your inner tubes in, and uh, and, su- and support <laughs> yes. and support Valley Free Radio. Go to valleyfreeradio.org and donate to the station. It is a community donation driven place. Beautiful. Help save local radio. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening, everybody. No, you, you two were <laughs> fucking. Fa- oh, you yeah. can curse now too. You two were fucking fantastic. <laughs> like this, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can turn this mode off. Now that I'm back in it, I'm like, oh shoot. <laughs> I got you know when when I was just starting at women's basketball, our um, wonderful basket operation basketball director of operations found my Twitter and was like, and she added me on Facebook and she saw, you know, some rambling and she like texted me. And she's like, you meet, you know, you're a representative of the university now. You need to uh, watch your language. It was just like paraphrasing. Yeah. I was just like traumatized so did you play a tech did you i play didn't play Texas? i was a, a team equipment slash video manager so i was in charge of at practices and games filming practices games and making and hauling this 50 pound plus box of equipment that really is like you can just tell how old it was it was just like rinky dink box but um it was a metal box you know those broadcasts level protections so i had to carry those up and if you've ever been to osu in their basketball stadium uh it is very steep and it's very high and if you're not careful with a 50 pound box you might fall backwards that's funny i was i was in that place a bunch for basketball but i never had to go higher than the floor i never yeah if you ever go back and you look straight up is daunting once you hit the stairs you're like oh I don't, I don't think you know, I, and I'm five two. I'm very small. So like center of gravity at some point is just going to tilt. The other way. I can't see going back to Stillwater, although I much preferred Stillwater <laughs> to, to Oklahoma to go into, to OU. That was always a nightmare. Kansas and being at OU for a game was scary. Not it's just like the fans, you know, our yeah. rivalry is so large that it's a little scary. We have an intern at my job right now. She is a boomer sooner and, my boss and I were both Longhorns. What'd you say? A, a boomer, boomer sooner. Oklahoma person. Oh, a sooner. <laughs> oh, Daryl thought you were insulting his generation. Yeah, we we do lots of we do lots of that on the show. Yeah. So we we have a little bit of fun with back and forth about you know OU, OU still sucks. I haven't brought that one up yet. Just yet. <laughs> Waiting for the right moment. Well, and there's so. a big difference too between Kansas and Kansas State. Like the people of Kansas State are like just like Oklahoma, that level of a hole. <laughs> uh, people people at the University of Kansas were the most gracious really? delight. And you know, like even over over the course of a couple of years, if you're covering different sports at UT or working with different sports, you go to these places like three, four times a year. Like I spent so much time in Oklahoma city at various tournaments and stuff. Like it's, it's one of my actually regrets for going to school there instead of out here, because the road trips from Oregon would have been to Stanford and UCLA and Washington, where it was just I, <laughs> up and down I 35 for two years. It was, 
Yeah. Very I, dusty. The big 12. We are. Yeah. It's definitely, I, that's exactly the way I would say it. It's a dusty conference. And all the cities <laughs> are the same. All the little towns are the same. It's yeah. Until you get to, yeah. until you get down to UT, which was kind yeah, of the Austin, in there, but Austin was beautiful. Um, my uh, son and daughter-in-law are actually just selling their house that they um, ha- have lived in when they were in San Antonio. And now um, they're moving to a beautiful house in Vermont. And um, so they're, they're, they've got it on the market, but San Antonio, I loved it. And then we went down to Austin and Austin is a great town too. So I, I went to UT we my I have an uncle from Austin, and I was a senior in high school, and we went to their orange and white scrimmage football. You you flew down. Oh, yeah. yeah. You flew. Yeah, you, we, you had was, to. Yeah, so yeah. we we flew down, and um, we spent like a, almost two weeks with, at my uncle's, and um, he took us to the orange and 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 white scrimmage. And here I am, I, what, I don't know, seventeen, eighteen, a high school in. Um, a senior in high school and I take out my camcorder because oh, I'm no. like this is awesome <laughs> Vince Young was Vince Young was the, uh, the uh I think the red shirt oh, freshman wow. was he, was he was, the first was he the first real running quarterback Michael Vick Vick was before Young yeah I think even Donovan McNabb, Fran Fran Tarkenton. Yeah, 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 but but Vic sort of Vic sort of changed things around. So that that's the time period where I'm at. So here I am, all like I I don't know anything, could care less, and here I am with my video recorder, like recording this (laughs) awesome game. I'm like, oh, I'm getting Chris in. Oh, look at Vince Young. I can't tell. Within a matter of maybe two minutes, I had ten security guards. Kid. Put that fucking camera away now, or you're out of here. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm in tears. I'm like, what? I, I'm bringing this home. I live up in Connecticut. What do you want? Like, this is awesome. This is the beginnings of like YouTube yes. and like putting things on the and, internet and, and everybody being able to see their plays. Yes, and and that's what it was. And, and the guys were, and and afterwards, I'm like, I like they see me literally almost in tears, and they're like all right, here's why, like, we're sorry, but, you know, you can't, and I'm like, I didn't think that mindset, who am I going to sell this to Oklahoma, like, but it was crazy, but what an experience, and then, um, oh, uh, Mark Henry uh, came out, I think the, the wrestler, and the world's strongest man, he's a UT grad alum, and uh, he came out, and, and was going up and down in the stands, and, and doing autographs and pictures, that was a cool experience, but what a beautiful student. So you were you were Belichick before <laughs> Belichick's time. Where do you think he got it from? <laughs> well, just like, well, just like the, the the it's like a professional organization. Just like the quality of the facilities and just how how polished. What, it, what like, are you talking about now? At University Texas? of Texas, yeah, just the yeah, just sure. the like the. the and I the haven't rooms. even been in the newest like. Yeah, they built some stuff since either, you and I were there. That yeah. Locker room. But even like the photographer's room at that stadium was is nicer than the one at Giant Stadium. It's nicer than some professional stadiums. They they you know they have the highest revenue of any athletic department in the country, so it's not surprising. But still, that's interesting to me because I know when I was in college, especially during my program at Sport Management, it's like we were always touting it was like a billion dollar difference or whatever, and I was just like, is that real? 
Are we just something we should be proud of? But the one thing I'll say for for tech, the the biggest programs, Texas, Notre Dame and Ohio State, they pay for themselves. So they're not sucking. A lot of places, the athletic departments suck money for universities. But football pays for like almost every other varsity sport. Yeah, yeah, but only only at 30 colleges or less out of the 300. Right. But but we need to give credit to the ones that aren't succeeding there. But, but at all uh, costs, how about Middle, but... Middlebury? Did Middlebury have a football team? Yeah, um, they've had a good football team oh, at times. Um, Middlebury's athletic oh. center is actually like amazing. It's like, are you guys, what division are you guys? We're div- uh, division D2, three. D three. Okay. Yeah. I feel like D three teams. You know, like the money comes from boosters more likely, right? Yeah, because like Middlebury, it's like. I don't know the trustees and rich alum. When, when the super rich people are donating, like the biggest yeah. donations are to the sports program for sure. Yeah, unfortunately, but <laughs> um, I wish more would go to music and stuff. But right, that's also a huge thing too is the equity disparity between sports, extracurriculars, and everything else. Yeah. Well, I wonder too if there needs to be a Title IX type thing for for right. that for that distribution to get some of this money from the athletic departments into the arts departments. Because the thing is, to fund a music program at a school costs what it costs to outfit the football team in socks. Like yeah. the, the the amount of money, it's kind of like when they talk about well, we can't cut the military budget to increase unemployment benefits or, or payments. But if we took just, you know, a fraction of 1% of the military budget in this country, we could pay for all of these programs that people argue about for three months. We could probably end homelessness as well with that 1%. Well, and and we talked about that too, a a lot when it, when it came to, you know, at the beginning of the college football season and COVID, do they have the season? And, and, Unfortunately, it's too much of a money machine to fail. Like you said, Yumi, it's, you know, how many, I, I don't, I would imagine the UT football program funds, I, I, I'm half a dozen other sports, maybe. I mean, maybe more. I don't know. Right. But, Honestly, from what I remember and what I've been, what I've been told via like my professors and stuff, and even maybe some, athletics department people is that it the they have the budget to pay not only for men's and women's basketball but also like not only varsity teams but also intramural teams so or club teams because at ut there is a men's soccer team but they're a club level they're not a varsity team right because with title nine comes the like equity and money and funds and like the number of varsity teams have to be equal as well so title nine has, has been great yeah. for so we have a women's athletes. varsity soccer program which has always been pretty high up in rankings as far as i to my knowledge um but there's the men's soccer team was actually also really great but i do believe they get a part of their budget from varsity not all of it but partly because they mm-hmm. still so have here, to fund their here, own stuff here are the here are the numbers from last year so the total budget for the athletic department was 187 million um, the revenue for just the football team was 127. 
the profit from that, just the football team is just under $199,204,000. So just the football team cleared $100 million. The entire budget was only 187. So yeah, yeah, almost just the profits from the football team, but the revenue is 70% of the football, of the athletic budget, which, you know, there's no doubt you step foot on that campus. There are, you know, the volleyball team went to a couple final fours. There's baseball. They won a championship. Like when I was there. Yeah. The college, the baseball team goes to the college world series fairly regularly. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt that the football is the, the top seven layers of the pyramid. Everything else is just sort of scattered around the bottom. So UMass um, football, which has been very controversial, came out with next year's schedule. They have 12 games against some really big time And they're going to lose all of them by like 40 points. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, UMass is going to get paid for those. Yes, yes, yes. I think they're going to to either Georgia or Georgia Tech, and you know, um, yeah. No, it's it's. Um, I, <laughs> you're right, Aida. They probably will lose, but I, they can't do worse than this year because this year they basically scored. I think they played like six games or something. They basically scored maybe fifteen points oh, total God. and gave oh, up no. uh, like three hundred. Wow. <laughs> and, and, you know what though? They say you have to build a program with the right money first, because yeah, then you yeah, can, you know, send yeah. them to get more. Well, and, and UMass, as Joe can tell you, it's very controversial because UMass they wanted to become like UNC and and Michigan, and so they they decided to move to Division One football, mm. and it's really been a disaster. Uh, it hasn't worked out. Maybe long term it will work right. out, but so far, I mean, the scholarships yeah, will definitely help. Hopefully, start bringing in more high caliber athletes and build a program around them. Which then you know gets slippery because then you're thinking, what are you giving those athletes besides scholarships? Because then if they build your your program, I, I remember. I remember a certain uh, UMass radio football radio announcer saying back in 2013, 2011, that this was a bad idea for UMass. That was me. That was me. So one thing I've been right about in my entire life, that this is a terrible idea for UMass football. And I mean, it wasn't hard to see from the beginning, but it, this, the, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about division three athletics, I think that's the best model for college sports going forward. No athletic scholarships, none, none of those booster money, get it all out of there. Get these, no, the college students do not need to be playing in front of a hundred thousand people. And I think one thing that we have talked about a little bit, I think was kind of separating the college sports from the, from the universities themselves, from the campus and educational experience and making them kind of like semi-pro teams. So if you want to go play for the Michigan Wolverines, you do that, but it's not attached. You don't have no academic requirements. You can just play football or basketball or whatever your sport of choice is. I think a move towards that for the revenue sports. That's might interesting. Be. I see Joe. I actually think that there uh, professional sports, like professional athletes should be a major in, in college. You know, yeah. you take, and, and, take, and along with business well, that, courses and personal Think about today's you know. issues where you're dealing with social media. How, like, I, I'm almost ashamed to yeah. say this, but yeah. 
how many people, how many athletes would benefit from how to treat women? And, oh and my just God. Right. That course, right? And, and so <laughs> it, it, it's, it's mind boggling, but we have a bunch about of gender studies courses. Too. Yeah. The entire yeah, gender studies, <laughs> feminism, intersectional feminism. <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah, that, that would be yeah, great. because I mean, feminism yeah. gets intersectional feminism also, you know, gets like a bad rep because people don't realize like feminism, the right kind of feminism, which is intersectionality, is about equity for also men. You know, it's not just yes, for absolutely. women or other minorities. Yeah. It's yeah. men too. We're saying. I'm, I'm a, I'm a feminist. I'm a feminist, and I'm proud to say right. it. Right. Yeah. And I think Matt's yeah. correct. Yeah. I think from my experience with my friends, you know, most of my friends are actually women athletes from college, and like they almost all of them, maybe say for like four or five, don't play professional anymore. They had to. They have to create a life outside of their athletic uh, identities after four years and like some of them aren't prepared because unfortunately, and I know this isn't just a UT thing. I know this is like a D one major college thing, but a lot of these athletes are really, they try very hard to persuade them out of certain majors because of the strain it would take Mm -hmm. on a person's schedule. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the training schedule for our student athletes are extreme. You know, I even as an, as an equipment manager had to, schedule my classes around practices in the afternoons and i had to make sure that i had the right paperwork to give to professors and say i'm going to be out these days and if it fell on the day of an exam i had to go to the student athletics like tutor center to retake my exam with a proctor and like that only happened maybe once for me but like just the strain on my schedule as a manager was already like high and like albeit i was a double major with a life outside of sports, like a, the sports team. But like, as a lot of my friends, you know, unfortunately had to tell me, it's like they couldn't major in the things they were actually interested in for a career outside of school. And a lot of these athletes are told, you need to just kind of rest on your laurels and hope you go pro and you make the money there and you're never going to have to need like an actual yeah, the education. Of that go, the percentage of people that go pro are, is, it's, so it's, it's not even... Yeah. That's why Um, I'm a little concerned about the idea of like making it semi-pro and not having requirements for like an education because we've seen so many careers, you know, kind of flounder after college. Daryl, we didn't we didn't talk about your uh, your favorite senator. Cruz and his little Mexican. Oh my God! (laughs) You believe how stupid? I mean, and then he blamed his kids, and he blamed his kid, his daughter. Oh my God! To be a good dad, that's an example of a great dad. dad There, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, right? But the thing is, and you know, and the guy that he beat, um, uh, Ben O'Rourke, was doing tremendous work in Texas. Texas is just in a terrible shape and uh no that was just absolutely and that's the thing i mean it, you know like i don't quite understand because lindsey graham said many years ago that if uh, ted cruz was shot in the senate uh no one would shed a tear so he's he's hated by he republicans yeah. he's hated by everybody yeah. you'll love the nickname um, that the social media twitter sphere gave him it's fled Cruise now. Casey Musgraves, who's a Texas girl, has created a shirt to donate towards charity, which is cruising for a bruising. 
but cruising is spelled with his last name. Um, a yeah. UT alum, one of my friends from uh, Texas Journalism, she's now a reporter for a Houston market uh, local news station, and she actually got a question in at his uh, home front uh, press conference, and she asked him, paraphrasing, you know, did you come home because you felt guilty, or did you come home because you got caught? And well, he, we, know, we know why he came home because his his uh, flight was going to be for today to come back. Right, and like um, and he, he thought he could get he, away with lying about that but too. The thing, the thing, and his wife too. So the text uh, messages. So they, wow. they did not they did not lose uh, power. I don't think at all. Um, and so they because they had been offering people in the community to come, you know, in their neighborhood to come see him. Yeah. And then they invited them all to the. Ritz or wherever they were going down there in Cancun. Yeah, the Ritz Carl. Um, yeah, you're right. And then, <laughs> and then afterwards, the wife uh, uh, has some tweet that's go freezing. We're freezing, you know. <laughs> but they weren't freezing. Yeah, yeah. She started a group thread with "We're freezing." Well, anybody I'm right. like want to go down to Mexico to the Ritz? Blah blah blah. Turns right. out it's like three hundred dollars a night right now there, and um, it's great use of money. And then. And then because no one bit, like no one took her up on the no, offer in that thread, then she flipped it around to say, well, if you need anything, like we can boil you water, yeah. give you some water, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wow. So Joe, Joe, I can't believe you're right. That was, I can't believe. Well, I hold on, though. Marilyn, Joe, you guys ahead. know I like to rock the boat a little bit. Oh God! No, no, Here no. we go. You made an hour and forty-seven no, minutes. You're going to defend no, Ted Cruz. No, no. Okay. Oh, no. Thank you. You had me worried no. for a second. I'm not going to. No, he's a sleaze bag. Good. Thank you. Hypocrisy. So you, I, for you, me, and I, I don't like any politician on any side of the aisle. Oh yeah. Um, where? Do, I get where, it. How? Which is fair. Hypocrisy. Or, or what are your thoughts on the on Pelosi getting her hair done when all of her constituents need to be locked down and quarantined? Politicians do what they want, how it serves them for for the good of them, and and so I, look, Ted, Ted uh, Cruz is a clean pack. I, I don't see how you can compare. Oh, I, you know, I'm not no, a fan no, of Pelosi. To, so. don't, to don't focus on yeah. on the the oh a hairdo we're going to Cancun. The fact is, her her constituents should be quarantined and. and 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 they they're suffering for mental health. They're suffering, and she wants to get her hair done so she can look pretty. Right. Politics has become a show too, and so like I agree with Matt in that it is uh, a little hypocritical. No, I mean, I, I it's don't. also the mayor. Matt, Matt, I, don't I don't think it's comp I don't think it's comparable to abandoning your constituents <laughs> no. during the biggest right. fucking disaster in the state's history. And she didn't get on a plane, an international <laughs> flight to d disrupt a, a million other people and spread this disease <laughs> right. in another country or but bring also, it home. She's also fought to get money for for people in the country. You know, she's actually done something positive. Do as I say, not True. as I do. That's what politicians yeah. do. Do as I say, not as I yeah. do. That's what okay. Ted Cruz did. That's but I don't know why we're always picking on women. On why are we always picking on women right. politicians who get haircut, their hair cut? Like we did it. <laughs> AOC. We've done yeah, it. Did Ted that. Cruz that's finally that's cut that's off his mullet? Like he probably had to get. You know, so like there. I think Joe brings up a good, good choice. Like choice of words. It's like you know. 
like I said, Pelosi's not my favorite person either, and I am a Democrat, and like I am a little progressive than a normal Democrat probably. So there are a lot of things, but we always give more crap. We kind of like make it equate the same thing, like make it the same as like he literally left the city that he is from, like lives in, that had like some of the worst stories, right? Left that city for his quote unquote kids which like he already he's throwing it like there's a tweet that says like ted cruz throwing his throwing women down under the butt yeah like using women basically and the women in his family to like get him out of a hole it just seems so on brand for him you know like there are a lot of worse things that ted cruz has done but this is kind of like icing on the cake not only did he like help with the insurrection probably but like he left I don't even know how it comes but, no. like, how, like, I don't even realize that the airport for No, you can fly into Mexico. Fingers. Yeah, you can fly into Mexico. Just you have to have a negative test right. before you can come back. Yeah. You can my my point is not to defend Ted Cruz. Don't forget, Ted Cruz is also the guy who didn't defend his own wife when Donald Trump yeah. called her whatever yeah. he called her, right? So look, I think it was it's not cow. about defending Ted Cruz, but I'm I'm sitting what's again like do as I say, not as yeah, I do. Your example, your example, your example is a is a tiny little pebble next to a giant boulder. But what difference does that make? Like that that's what I see. <laughs> that, that's the king, the king of false equivalences. <laughs> really? really. Like this is Cruz, this is the worst of all. Pelosi of them, is you never, can't compare the never tried to all. stop the certification of the president like Cruz did. So I mean, you know, no, it's <laughs> It so might be that we're, it might about. seem like we're trying to give her a pass. I think I, I understand Matt you thinking that we're maybe giving her a pass because of her past experiences complete compared to Ted Cruz, but it doesn't seem comparable to me either, to be honest. I, I wanna I wanna go home. So <laughs> leave those. Any, any other irritating comment you wanna make? I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for being on. Thank, Thank you for having us.